0: Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. I'm really excited about this new sermon series that we're kicking off. Uh, this, this unexcused, or if you're Pastor John, unexpected sermon series <laughs> that we're kicking off this morning. Um, and, and if you've been around here for, for a while, you know that for years now, um, every, uh, every year for I think the past 12, 15 years, we have, we've been taking the entire month of September and in it we do a deep dive. We do a deep study of, of one story in the Bible. And, and I'll tell you, these sermon series, these kind of deep dive series, these have become like some of my favorite series that we get to do because every year with each stories, I always find, um, I always find some, some new truth. I always find some new, some new treasure in these stories that, that I have lived with for, for, for years, these stories I've lived with forever. And this year I don't think it's going to be any different. Because this year we're going to be taking a long, hard look at what is, what's probably one of, the most, one of the most known stories in the Bible, and yet what is probably one of the least appreciated. Because this year we're going to be looking at that story, we're going to be looking at that moment where God speaks to Moses and where Moses speaks to God in the presence of, of the burning bush. And what we're going to see is that there on that, that holy ground, what we're going to see we're going to see Moses try to try to wiggle out. <laughs> we're going to see Moses try to wiggle out of of God's call. His excuses, right? and like Pastor John said, they have come to be called the five butts of Moses. Um, but but that's not all we're going to see. Because we're going to see ourselves too. Our our attempts to w- wiggle out. Our attempts to to wiggle away. Because man, our, our excuses, our excuses, our excuses are legendary. In fact, just a, a couple of weeks ago, I ran across this list, I stumbled across this list, an honest-to-goodness list of excuses that folks called into their bosses to try to get out of work. I mean, just, just read some of them. Uh, the one who called in who, because his fish was sick, the employee who caught his uniform on fire by putting in the microwave. Um, my favorite, the, this dude who, got, who couldn't come into work because he got his arm stuck in the blood pressure machine at the grocery store. And I say, dude, I'm just assuming there, but come on, you know that was a guy. Um, and then this one, I love the honesty of this last one, this employee who woke up and called his or her boss, they called their boss and was like, look, I'm in too good a mood to come in and ruin it in the office. Um, like I can respect that sort of honesty. Uh, but it got me to thinking, It got me to to wondering, I started to wonder what, what excuses do we give for not showing up? And that's what we're going to see, that's exactly what we're going to see in our scripture for this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up. We're going to be in the, in the book of Exodus this month, uh, Exodus chapter 3 this morning. It's the second book of your Bible if you're, if you're flipping through, so join me if you will. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, looking this morning at uh, the first 12 verses. So open up your Bibles if you have them, maybe you have a Bible app on a cell phone, or you got the WC app on your cell phone, go ahead and turn it on again. We're going to be reading uh, Exodus chapter 3, starting with verse 1 this morning. Friends hear the word of the Lord. It says, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the the priest of Midian. And he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. Moses looked and and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. And then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses! And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has come now to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them, so come. I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But then Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Egypt and bring the Israelites out? And he said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign for you that it is I who sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall worship God on this mountain. Who am I? Who am I? It's a question that at some point we're all going to have to confront. Who am I? But I think to really understand what's going on here, we got to remember Moses' story. Remember, Moses was born illegally to a Hebrew family, but he was adopted and he was brought up in Pharaoh's house. And so Moses, Moses really wasn't an Egyptian. And at the same time, he really, he really wasn't an Israelite either. I mean, he hadn't shared in any of, of their hardship. He was raised up to be a leader, but he became a murderer he ran away. He, he ran away in, into the wilderness and, and here he is. Here we are, forty years later. Forty years after that moment, Moses is eighty years old, right here. He's eighty. Moses is eighty years old when he finally has his his God moment. Maybe for the very first time. And it happens. It happens whenever he's just out. He's just doing his job. He's just out there watching his father-in-law's sheep. He's probably daydreaming. He's probably daydreaming about how things used to be. He's probably bored. He's probably bored out of his mind. He's bored with the ordinariness of it all. But that's when the extraordinary happens. Out of the corner of his eye, he catches something. He he sees something. Out of the corner of his eyes, he, he sees this the strangest thing. He sees this bush that's on fire, but, but isn't being consumed. And, and Moses, he lets his curiosity get to the best of him. And so he takes a step closer to it. He, he approaches it. He goes over to investigate it. And, and that's whenever it happens. That's when God speaks. Mark that. It's only then that God speaks. It's only after Moses takes that that step, it's only after Moses takes that, that first step of, of interest, that first step of curiosity. It's only after Moses takes his first step of response that, that God speaks. And uh, I don't know about you, but to me, it seems like Moses, Moses is kind of a, he's kind of a haphazard shepherd, right? Because here, here you've got this, like, here you have this fire And it's a threat to the sheep, right? And so common sense says, hey, Moses, put it out. What's Moses do? He inches over closer to it. He goes over to to check it out. And God speaks and God says, Moses, stop. Moses, stop, take your shoes off because the soil that you're standing on, that's holy ground. And I want us to dig there just a little bit, just to dig in for a couple of minutes this morning because I reckon that, that most of us, just through the years, we probably come to this place, we probably assume that, that God told Moses to take off his shoes because God didn't want Moses, I don't know, like traipsing in dirt. This was holy ground. It's a sacred space. God didn't want Moses sullying the, the holiness of that spot. But think about it. Moses' shoes, Moses' sandals, they really wouldn't have been anything more than, than just a thin sliver, just, a, just this thin piece of leather, Right? And so the bottom of Moses' feet, like bottom, his his feet, they would have been just as dirty. Moses' feet would have been just as messy. They would have been just as covered with mud, just as covered with sheep gifts, right? So I don't think that's what's going on. I don't think it's what happened. I think what's happening is actually in line with, with an ancient interpretation of this passage, an ancient interpretation of this text that says God told Moses to take his shoes off because God didn't want anything getting in the way. Could it be that God told Moses to take off his shoes because God didn't want even that thinnest little piece of leather, that he didn't want anything to come between them? Maybe that little piece of leather. He didn't want Moses to be separated, separated from the holiness of that that place. He didn't want Moses to be separated by anything from the holiness of that moment. And the holiness of that moment that changed his life forever, because that's where God would give him his call. That's, That's where God would give Moses his mission. Moses, go back. Go back, go back to that land where you're still wanted for murder. Moses, go back. Go back and save your people. Moses, go back and save my people. And Moses, Moses tilts. Moses pauses, but he says, but God, who am I? Who am I that, that I should go back? Who am I that, that I should do all of this? And I love God's response. Because God doesn't say, oh Moses, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Moses, why don't you go and read a self-help book? And God doesn't say, well Moses, why don't you go get a promotion? Nah, what, what does God say? God says, worship worship. God says, Moses, you will figure out who you are in worship. God says that we will figure out who we are whenever we figure out who we are in relation to him. Worship. I mean, Jesus puts it pretty bluntly in the gospels. Jesus says that we will figure out who we are, that we will find ourselves only whenever we dare to lose ourselves. We'll find ourselves only when we dare to lose ourselves in Him and when we dare to lose ourselves for Him, to lose ourselves in in worship and in study and in service, taking off our shoes, leaning in, approaching the, the sacred flame, losing ourselves and finding ourselves there too. Each of us, each of us called each of us loved, each of us redeemed, each of us forgiven, forgiven, but unexcused.
1: I love that, and as we were reading the Scripture, I was thinking back, when you answer a call to ordain ministry, you're given an assignment to do. You're asked to go and read the Bible and look at how God calls people in the Bible and figure out which person do you most identify with. And it was always easy for me, it was always Moses. Yes, Lord, I hear you, but when I read these five buts of Moses, I I, I saw myself, and the truth is I still see myself, and I suspect a lot of us, these excuses that keep us from embracing the life of faith that God calls us to live. So I want us to think about that, and we're going to be doing that over these weeks in September, and particularly today as we dive in, everything builds on this passage. So I want us to look back. And I want us to notice three things that could guide our thinking, and the first is this. We need to learn to lose ourselves in wonder. You see, that's what's happening. Can you imagine, again, Moses out there tending the flock, minding his own business, this dramatic moment of a burning bush that's on fire but not consumed, and God speaks to him. This is one of the most dramatic moments awesome, powerful moments in all of world history. History will be different because of this moment, because Moses is confronted with the majesty and the glory and the power and yet the intimacy of God, and at the same time he's considering God's wonder. He's acutely aware of his own human sinful nature and flaws, and he's hearing the assignment God gives him, and he's thinking he can't do it. Todd, you painted a beautiful picture for us. What is he thinking? He's thinking, I'm too old. I'm wanted for murder back there in Egypt. I'm wanted for treason. I've abandoned Pharaoh's court. I can't go back there. Lord, I hear you, but who am I to do this? What's happening is he's comparing his self with the, the, the wonder of God, and his reaction is a knee-jerk reaction to that wonder and that glory. The truth of the matter is, what Moses needed to do was just kind of linger in the wonder, just to marinate himself in God's glory. Don't get ahead of yourself in the story. Don't get ahead to the problems. Just allow yourself to be lost in wonder, and God will do something in your heart to prepare you for what is to come. And I wonder about us. Do we know how to get lost in wonder in the midst of our busy lives? Got a beautiful example of that this last week. You remember last Sunday after the 11 o'clock service, as you were leaving, a a thunderstorm popped up and it actually started to rain. And as they were walking out, a little two-year-old, delightful member of our church was walking out with his family and they were in the parking lot, and it started to rain. Raindrops fell on his arm, and he looked up at the sky. His eyes were this big, and he said, what's happening? (laughs) Isn't that the answer? Isn't that the wonder of rain after the long drought we've been in? When it rains, Lord, what's happening? It's a miracle. It's wonderful. I want us to know those kinds of miracles that we can wonder about are all around us. Burning bushes are all around us, but we don't need to rush on behind them. Sometimes we need to just kind of linger in wonder, gratitude, thanksgiving. This summer we watched National Treasure 2 on vacation, and I hadn't seen that movie, and if you haven't, let me highly recommend it. It came out in 2007, full of all kind of interesting American history. But it ends around Mount Rushmore and the most fascinating of scenes, and I remember the story of Mount Rushmore. You may remember it was carved by a man named Gutzon Borglum. He was a friend of Theodore Roosevelt, and they would travel together to the Black Hills in South Dakota. And he had a dream one day. He looked at this Rocky Mountain, and he could see images of four presidents that could be carved as a shrine to democracy. And so he started sharing his idea. People laughed at him. They didn't really like it. He got a lot of pushback. He had a real difficult time raising the money for this project, but he persisted. He stayed with it. And I love some of the facts about Mount Rushmore. It took 14 years, a monumental feat to accomplish, 360 workers, removed 450,000 tons of rock, to sculpt these giant 60-foot heads of presidents. Very dangerous work. They used dynamite hanging from scaffolds to sculpt. Now I was thinking about this as we look at Mount Rushmore. Most people looked at the mountain and saw rock. He saw the carvings of these presidents' heads that would be an inspiration that literally are have become some of the national treasure of who we are as a people. But then as we think about Mount Rushmore, I think about our own lives. As we look at our problems, and our difficulties, and our challenges, and we all have some today, what do we see? Do we see rocks of impossibility, or do we see a place that God can sculpt something beautiful? And how do we get that vision? We lose ourselves in wonder. We linger and wonder and let God change our perception. That's the first place we begin. But there's a second lesson in this scripture. We lose ourselves in wonder, but then we lose ourselves in worship. The truth of the matter is, after Moses hears God and he tells him to go back to Egypt, he's scared. He's thinking, I can't do that. I will be in risk there. This is not going to turn out well. And so God hears his fear, and he speaks to him and says, Moses, this isn't all up to you. You don't have to figure it out. You're not in charge here. You have to just trust me here. And then we get this beautiful verse 12. God says to him, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall worship God on this mountain. For the rest of his life, Moses will live by worship. Wherever he goes, he needs to be reminded of this moment what I love is they're traveling through the wilderness. There are times, things are getting really rough and the people are fussing and grumbling. He'll put up this little tent and he'll go in and the glory of the Lord will appear. And he'll come out and his face will be shining. He lived by worship because in worship we take our eyes off of ourselves. And the God who said, I will be with you and I will lead you and I will guide you. My friends, do we? know how important worship is in our lives, to lose ourselves, to lose our excuses, and to be open to how God wants to lead us in life. I don't know if you have seen the latest commercial from Frito-Lay and Pepsi. It was. It's really. I saw it yesterday. It's actually some ex-NFL Hall of Famers getting ready for football season by asking the question: Do you think we ought to unretire and play? So they're pondering that. And let, let's watch this moment from this commercial.
0: Man, I wish I was out there.
1: Let's unretire. Why not? Moss.
0: What? Yeah. Dan Marino. You're right.
1: Hey, grandpa.
0: Grandpa. Hey, I still got it. 22. 22. Win a game number 13. Hey. Let's see. Hey, hey, hey. I need that senior discount. If I take a selfie. thank you. I'm good. right here, bro? <laughs> <laughs> on retirement, who'd be dumb enough to do that?
1: Okay. <laughs> I love that, and each time I've gotten something different. I, I love Dan Marino putting on the readers, because that is definitely me. But this time, finally, when I saw Emmett, Debbie will tell you that's me watching a football game as he dozed <laughs> off, taking a nap. I just love that, but it also tells us something important, that football is different than the Kingdom of God. There is no retirement plan in the Kingdom of God. doesn't matter where we are, what our circumstance, what our station, God needs us all to be in ministry. And how do we discover that? We lose ourselves in worship we open ourselves to how God is speaking to us, I remember back to one of my burning bush moments. It actually happened when I was 28 years old. I remembered this moment so vividly. It was a cold, raw January day, 1986. Debbie and I, we lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. We were teaching an eighth-grade Sunday school class at the Noel Methodist Church. That day was bitterly cold. It was raw, it was in the 20s, the wind was howling, and Jay was about three and a half years old. I said, Debbie, you and Jay stay home, I'll teach the class today. So I went to the early service before Sunday school at 930, and I got to the early service and weather was so bad, there was hardly anybody there. There was a handful of people. I was sitting in this section completely by myself. Worship was going on, and to be honest with you, I was thinking through my Sunday school lesson that was going to happen afterwards, and the preacher was preaching, and all of a sudden, I heard God speak to me. In a dramatic, clear way, I heard God speak to me and call me into the ministry. Well, it was kind of a holy ground moment. I was shocked. I was stunned. I couldn't believe. I was so excited, and so I called the pastor and made an appointment to visit with him. I got in a couple of weeks later, took him to lunch, and I said, you're not going to believe what happened during your sermon. When I heard you say this, I heard God clearly, distinctly call me into ministry, and I shared with him what part of his sermon touched me in such a degree, and after I shared with him, he looked at me and he said, I never said that. (laughs) I never thought that. And I realized something about the kingdom of God. When God speaks to us, sometimes it's personalized. Somebody right around us can't hear, it's meant just for us. Everybody doesn't experience the burning bushes the same way that we do, which means when we come to worship, we ought to sit on the edge of our seats. We need to listen. We ought to wonder, what is God going to say to me? Maybe only me. When we lose ourselves in worship, that's how we hear that personal word from God. What leads us to the third lesson from this great passage, not only do we lose ourselves in worship, but we find ourselves in worship. Because we all come, and honestly, we know ourselves pretty well. Like Moses, we know our shortcomings, we know our problems, we know the things that we can't do, and yet what God says, I want you to trust me because when you listen to me, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to equip you. When I call you, you will go with me, and you will lose yourself and also find yourself and discover the person I have called you to be. Pastor Todd and I had an amazing week this past week. We went to a preacher meeting of preachers from around the country, some of the great churches of Methodism, and we gathered, and it surprised us And that it was an incredible time. I thought that I was going to dread it, and I didn't. It was wonderful. They asked us to do something so interesting. They asked each pastor to give a little bit of their story and share how they saw the Holy Spirit moving. And it truly became a time of worship in this session. And what intrigued me looking back that every pastor, there were about 13 pastors there, all of them had the same story. They had commonalities of how God moved in their lives. Every pastor there would tell you they were not doing what they planned to do in life. What they were doing was not their plan. They would all tell you that what they were doing in ministry, they weren't really equipped for, they weren't really that good at, they were kind of nervous about that fact, and then all of them had this deep sense of humility, that the only way they could lead in this hour was because of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Every pastor was like Moses. They said, Lord, I hear you, but... And they all had these reasons of why they weren't great at what they were trying to do. And as they shared the stories, I was amazed. One of the pastors said that he was a PhD, he was teaching very happily at a university, his life was going well, and God called him to be a full-time children's pastor. And when he first heard the call, he said, no! I am not going to do that. I like teaching in the university." His first response was no. Another pastor was a disc jockey who worked at a station in East Texas. He loved his job. He had a pathway to one day own the station. Life was great, and he got called to become a full-time youth pastor in a different denomination. And he heard the call, and his response was no way. No way will I do that. And then Todd and I shared. and. And y'all have heard our stories before, but I said, yes, I heard God's call, and I said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but Lord, you know who I am. Please do not send me to a church that needs to build any buildings, and do not send me to a church that needs to raise money. You know, I would be terrible at that, horrible at that. Yes, Lord, but, and then Todd told his story. Yes, Lord, I hear you. I want to follow you, but you know I'm called to be a chaplain. I'm called to be a counselor. Do not send me to a local church, and if you do send me, do not put me in any form of leadership, and I definitely, Lord, do not want to preach. (laughs) And all the pastors had stories like that. And as we talked and we told our stories, I started thinking about the old Jewish proverb. Remember, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. (laughs) It's the way it works. When we lose ourselves in worship, we find ourselves, but not the selves we think we know, the selves that God sees. Seems to me there are two basic approaches to the Christian faith, and we've got to decide which course we will follow. One is to believe in the God of religion. The second is to know the God of wonder. If you believe in the God of religion, we have a lot of information, we have a lot of facts about the faith. We can talk. We can argue. We can debate. We can philosophize. We have a lot of information about the Bible. We have read maybe some theology books. We can talk a lot about the precepts of Christianity. But the second is to know the God of wonder, to know God in a personal, intimate way through our connection with Jesus Christ. And when we know the God of wonder, we will start to see burning bushes everywhere in life, and literally God will become the air that we breathe, and we will start to realize that God is at work in this world, and we will start to pay attention to where God is moving, and we will be determined to align our lives with that direction that God is moving. The truth of the matter is, when we lose Ourselves in worship, we find ourselves, and we find our purpose and meaning in life. So every time we gather to worship, we need to know we are standing on holy ground, we need to take off our shoes, we need to lean in and listen for what God is saying to us so that we can live in the spirit of the great words of Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Remember what she wrote? She said, "Earth crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes; the rest sit round and pluck blackberries." Would you pray with me, Lord? We thank you that we are standing on holy ground and we know that your presence is here. Just like you spoke to Moses, you want to speak to us. But Lord, don't let us get so wrapped up with our thoughts and our plans and our schedules and our shortcomings and our fears. In Lord, instead, Lord, help us lose ourselves in wonder. Bask in your presence and know that you are right here And when we lose ourselves in wonder, we will lose ourselves in worship, and we will experience You in profound ways, and when we lose ourselves in worship, we will find ourselves, and we will hear Your Word, and we will answer Your call, and we will go where You send us. Lord this story is our story, so speak to us and lead us, just like You did Moses. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make
0: sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.